0: What's going on, folks? You're again. Dr. Sean Thomas back in the building. Episode 73 of the Be More Today show. We are back. We are back. We are back in the building. And, folks, 73 episodes. We're here. We're doing this thing. It is the end of summer. Labor Day is past us. School is now upon us. And the Be More Today show still continues to go on and push forward. We are still here uh, trending 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 now in 39 countries so thank you so much for your love and your support really appreciate it it's been a as i always say labor of love but i've learned so much from my guests on these shows um the more say show is continuing to focus on health and wellness and uh we're now here in 39 countries and trending like i said and again we're found everywhere be more com has my book our music information our podcast information on there our youtube is is booming now with workouts and we have our facebook page if you guys are not on our facebook page uh we have our page on there we also have a a be more today pt group that i started where we're just putting out content content about physical therapy health and wellness holistic living Um, join our group on there and just be inspired daily if not weekly about things that we're putting out there to make sure that you can be more today um, and if you want to support us in any way, just please go on our page and subscribe, like us. We appreciate all the love and support that you guys give. Um, my quote for say is simple as always. And it is by Eddie Hippolyte. He said, we are limitless and how deep we can dig to find strength, but sometimes limited by how shallow a crisis can make us feel. Dig deeper. Uh, last week, folks, we had a hurricane and, um, It's funny, we just had, my wife and I had our four year, our 10 year anniversary um, for our our marriage. And um, it was 10 years ago that a hurricane hit New York. And last week, another hurricane hit. And it wasn't just New York, clearly, the whole East Coast was hit, but uh, so much stuff happened. And, you know, if you were in a place that was safe, you had no idea. You didn't realize how intense it was. All you saw was a lot of rain, a lot of flooding. Um, or just a lot of rain right depending on where you were but uh, there was so much damage that happened so much uh, destruction people died and and it was just tragic the way that water which is so so frivolous and so easy and so light in certain situations can be so rough and so destructive and so uh, 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 so crazy to handle sometimes and the crisis happened that night where people basically went through uh, a, a long period of, of, of trauma um, houses destroyed cars destroyed people floating on uh, on their cars and and literally just trying to get from place to place uh, I heard a story of a family who uh, literally the the father and son went outside to go move the car and while you're moving the car the mother and other child were flooded in their basement literally in, in seconds so you know, not just being appreciative for life, because we do appreciate life and we should always. But these things come and and they can change our lives forever. But it is in these times where we have to just be limitless in how deep we can find strength. And um, finding that strength to push forward, to move through the crisis, to continue to find hope, uh, and continue to find ways to make sure that we cherish life for what it is. That's what it's all about. And my guest for today is... Embodied me in that she is uh, someone who I met through my mother, who I appreciate. Mom, shout out to you for bringing us together. Um, her name is Carolyn McLaurin, and Carolyn McLaurin is a licensed clinical speech language pathologist. She's an educa- educator for 14 years. She's also the founder and owner of Speaking of Therapy Consultant. Uh, she is a CPSC education administrator uh, for the NYC DOE. She is a wife and mother of two children. Uh, Karen and Christopher, and she is a two-time breast cancer survivor, uh, and she's also a health and wellness entrepreneur. So, folks, Power Pack show today. Please welcome to the stage, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included. My guest for episode seventy-three, we born today's show, Carolyn McLaurin. Carolyn, what is going on?
1: Um, things are well. Um, you know we're living in some crazy times, and oftentimes you feel like we are just spinning from one day to the next, not in control of much, but I every day remind myself that I am at least in control of my actions and the decisions that I make. And that keeps me grounded and able to push through whatever challenges come up on a day-to-day basis. So yes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's me right now.
0: <laughs> that's how it should be. And that's fantastic. Listen, my mom, uh, Said you guys work together. And she said, look, you have to have this person on your show. Her story is amazing. So I said, let's make that happen. And you and I seem like we live similar lifestyles in the sense that we are on the go people. And I'm only saying that based on your schedule that you share with me uh, via a message that I heard. And I live kind of the same life where there's a window of time where you can find me. And after that window kind of goes by, I'm moving, I'm doing things, I'm living life, I'm working, I'm working out, you know, and if you want to catch me, you catch me between these two times. So I, I, I like that about you already, because it makes me know that you are someone who, as I always say, is always on the move. And uh, appreciating life for whatever it's going to give you, and um, I'm just happy that you made time today to talk to me on the Be More Today show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I met your mom almost a decade ago. Um, we were working together in the same location. Um, we have similar backgrounds, and we clicked right away. But you know, after a while, we didn't. You know, she moved on to another location, and so did I. So we, you know, we only maintain contact through social media, like mm-hmm. most people these days. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I had no idea, you know, how you have a friends list and you don't really pay attention anymore to who's on a friends list. Like you could totally forget until like one day she reached out to me. She was like, wow, I'm so inspired by, your, you know, transformation and your journey and all the changes. And she's like, that's just amazing. I have to talk to you. And, you know, we snuck in a little conversation. It was brief, but <laughs> like maybe five or 10 minutes. And then, you know, she connected me to you. So oh,
0: that's an awesome thing. Awesome. let's get into it. Listen, I know that you are a speech language pathologist and, you know, um, PT and speech pathology has for a long time been connected in terms of helping people get better and enhancing their lives. But you do have this business and you were the founder and owner of Speaking of Therapy. What is Speaking of Therapy?
1: Wow. So um, Speaking of Therapy is a company or a concept that I, you know, came up with in my mind to kind of help parents navigate the, you know, related service world and all the things that come with that. Um, It didn't quite shape into that because what ended up happening was I started um, working in adult rehab and, you know, hospitals doing per diem work on the side. And then like, you know, I started getting these contracts from these rehab places for spillage or overage when they don't have Um, providers for these patients that are really fragile and cannot come out to, you know, appointments for services. So I started doing that. um, And that was maybe a good six, seven years ago. And it's really good. It's just that, like I said, I'm like the one person that's doing it all. And it gets to be hectic sometimes, but I love my job. And, you know, as far as therapy, I really focus on like feeding and swallowing disorders. A lot of therapists may do language and all the other stuff. And I do some of that, too. But my main focus is to improve the quality of life of my mm. patients. So eating is a big social thing. And when you cannot eat and communicate with your family, it just puts you off to the side in a box. And I want to get my patients out that
0: box yeah. to the
1: best of their abilities.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. You know, I, I know that, um, you yeah, know, we learned a little bit about, um, uh, language disorders and, you know, things like dysphagia, you know, and those kind of things when it comes to um, pathologies that involve the ear, nose, and throat. But there's such a very succinct uh, study of how uh, uh, pathology like that, like that really affect us when it comes to eating and swallowing and how not being able to do that can really be a life shifting event for children mm-hmm. and even for adults. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm very curious, you know, it's, it's, it's a very specific um, profession that you've gotten into. And I have a couple of friends who are in uh, speech and language pathology. How'd you even get into it in the first place? But what drove you to uh, uh, gravitated you towards this, this profession?
1: Uh, Education wise. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So you would need to at least have a bachelor's degree in communication sciences, right? In disorders. Um, then you have to do your master's in speech, which is an additional two years. Um, Which also includes a clinical practicum. So you literally need to work in different um, settings, hospital, school, whatever, clinics, um, just to get a wide experience on the different types of syndromes, disabilities, whatever people may have. Um, And after that, uh, you have to sit for a very grueling exam (laughs) to become licensed by the state, whatever state you live in. Yeah. And from there, it's it's continuous learning the entire time because, yeah, you studied, you graduated, you passed the praxis exam. But it doesn't mean that you feel confident, proficient in all the different areas that, you know, you can go into when it comes to speech. So you sort of kind of go with whatever you feel most comfortable with. At least I felt comfortable right away with feeding and swallowing because my daughter had feeding and swallowing issues. So I've been around it. Practically her entire life, and so I've seen it. Um, I worked closely with E.N.T.s and you know different disciplines, and so I'm very comfortable um, in that arena. A lot of people don't like it because you know you're dealing with people's mouths and body fluids, and it's like, oh, I don't know if I could do it. And in all honesty. Your, you know their lives are really in your hands because if they got a bit choke or something happens they aspirate or anything like that like someone could die if you're not really careful and knowledgeable of what what you're doing um, so yeah it's it's really interesting and the field itself is so flexible you if you get bored in one area you literally could go into another area you can work in a school you can work anywhere you can work for yourself um, so i know that i won't be bored <laughs> because I tend to get bored quickly, but I will never be bored in this field.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, you know, most professions during this time, um, within the last 18 months, have had to pivot to some extent with co- COVID-19, quarantine. Um, and I know, especially for professions that involve anything involving uh, bodily fluids, especially that involved in the mouth, right? Because that, for the longest time, with COVID-19 was the biggest uh, scare of how this thing was transmitted, um, how has the profession and even what you do uh, individually had to pivot or shift during this quarantine session in terms of how you treat people, um, how patients are being treated, how children are being treated? Um, was there any lag in terms of not providing services during that time? Or was there a seamless transition of adapting or pivoting so that services were still provided for, for most patients?
1: Well, I can say that all the PPE you can find, I mean, you just, you know, don yourself from head to toe and you go in and do what you do. Um, Yes, there was anxiety on my part because it's like, wow, you know, there's something flying around out there and you don't really know a lot about it. You just know what you hear on the news. And it's like you start to educate yourself. You do your own research um, and really and truly you cover up. Um, You know, they were saying this mask works better, this mask. And it's just it's like, listen, all you have to really do is cover your eyes, cover your nose, your mouth, wear gloves, wash your hands frequently, and you should be fine. I didn't treat my patients any differently. Um, for a while, like between March and I say May, I did a lot of uh, teletherapy, so I was online mostly, and that that's kind of difficult for the population that I work with because it really requires another person to facilitate the sessions. Um, so if they didn't have someone to do that, then yes, they did miss services. Um, and then one day I just said, you know what? I'm going back into homes. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna just braving and going and it hasn't been horrible i mean i can't say i've had any bad experiences but you know my patients or their families you know everyone communicates it's like if you're not feeling well if you, even if you feel a little tickle in your throat please let me know mm-hmm. and you know we can always reschedule you know put your health first that's what yeah. i say
0: yeah yeah no, that, that sounds good i have a couple of friends who uh I get her in the same area and they did the same thing. And some of my dental friends also who clearly are in that environment where you're literally in someone's mouth the entire time, right. Um, <laughs> they had to really pivot themselves and say, you know what, let's just make sure we protect ourselves. And, and life goes on. You know, we, we've yeah. found ways to pivot in this crisis and to make sure that we are still continuing to provide good healthcare, provide good uh, um, services to our people when they need it. And I right. think that's the beauty of humanity. We, Anytime there's a, a, an issue or a crisis, we respond to it, we pivot, and we keep moving forward. And I think okay. that we've done a great job of doing that as healthcare providers and as, as humans in this, in this crazy, crazy race right now. So um, okay. I wanted to talk a little bit now about the CPSE. Um, and I want you to explain, if you can, just to okay. listeners what that even stands for and what your newly acquired position is as an education administrator for that.
1: Okay, so that's her, well, the acronym is CPSC, is uh, Committee on Preschool Special Education. Um, and like I, I shared before, I'm a new CPSC administrator for the Department of Ed. Um, you know, I've been in education for now 14 years, and, you know, I've gone from being a special ed teacher where I started to um, being a speech language pathologist within the DOE. And now transitioning into administration. So the role itself is um, I'm basically the first face of the DOE that families meet uh, when it comes to providing or trying to acquire services for their child, their preschool child, three to five years old. Um, So with that experience, it's like, you know, I've been that parent, I have, like I said, two children with special needs, and I've been on the parent side of the table. And I use that to kind of um, navigate my meetings a lot because I understand that parents come into the meeting and they see the DOE as the big bad wolf. And, you know, it's just, oh, it's them against me. And I just want my kid to get help. And honestly, we all want your child to get help. That's why we're at this table. And if you get your parents to be comfortable um, you know, which I like to do um, and, and get them talking about their child. You get so much information that even the parents don't even realize by sharing this information, they're really advocating for their kid. And that helps me make a better recommendation as far as like, you know, placement and types of services that that child will benefit from. Keep in mind, I also have to look at, you know, different evaluations from different disciplines, whether it's PT, OT, psychology, you know, speech. So, I'm reading all these evaluations, and I really have to add what the parent says and come up with you know a recommendation that's gonna be suitable for the child to have um proper foundation going into school if that makes sense yeah. Um, yeah it's really like a process that happens very quickly, but a lot of times um parents come into the meeting feeling like they don't have like I don't know their expertise, if you will, because they're hearing all this lingo at the table, which I try not to do. Um, and if I have to, I really make sure I define it for them and make sure they have their questions answered. Because when you don't know something and people are just talking, it feels like they're talking over you. You tend to get really small at the table. And the reason why we're here, we're talking about your child, and and you want the best for your child. We want the best for your child, but. To be in this position, it really means teasing out the information from the parents, um, information that they don't even think is relevant. Like, you know, your child's temperament. What do they do when they're upset? How long does it take them to calm down? Little questions. And, you know, that gives me a very, very big picture onto to like, what placement would this child do? How would, you know... How will they, you know, react in a classroom or if they don't get their way, or do they what kind of supports do they need? Do they need a one to one power to help them throughout the day while they're in a general education classroom? Because the push right now and parents should know is for the child to be educated in the least restrictive environment, meaning like with their peers, same same age peers in a general classroom. That's always the default, right? But then we have to factor in all the other things about that child that makes them. What their individual needs are—that's where it gets a little, you know, gray, and then we have to start to figure out what supports they need that will allow them to participate in a general education classroom with their peers. Because once you start separating kids, you know, they don't learn the same; they don't, and they they never catch up. And I know that from being a speech therapist in the DOE before doing this. Like, you know, kids are coming in and they still have the same services they had when they were in elementary school. I'm like, well, why is this happening? Like, why are they not being more towards generalizing their skills? And like, why are services still the same and not being reduced? Because at some point you were in therapy. If you're benefiting from therapy, you shouldn't be needing that much support when you get to high school or even middle school. But, you know, it's just a system thing and we have to kind of really look at these kids as to like what's going on with them every year, what's happening, why are they not moving. Is this, is this program, is this placement right for them? Maybe we should revisit the whole thing, but a lot of times that's not happening. We're just in this shuffle of like moving kids along. Yeah. And, you know, as an educator and a parent that cannot be, that cannot be because we're really doing a disservice if we do that.
0: Hmm. You know, I've had a couple of different people who, um, parents of kids who have special needs. And, you know, the, the I think the struggle that a lot of people don't realize is that it's an ongoing, ever-changing experience where uh, you're fighting for your child to have the best services all the time. You're fighting for your child to have the best situations all the time, whether it's school, whether it's medical services, whatever the case may be. Um, and there's so much knowledge that, is not always shared, but there are resources like you're sharing with, with yours and a couple others. We have some people on the show who also had resources where they're giving parents an opportunity to learn more about what's actually out there, how they can benefit, how their kids can benefit to make parents' lives a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have a daughter. She She's six, so she's going into first grade this year. Uh, actually, next week, super excited. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I remember just applying for Preschools um, in general, in kindergarten in general, and, and just that process by itself, especially in New York City, um, that by itself is draining. Uh, so when yeah. you add on top of that the uh, the um, special needs component and all the things that come with that, along oh, with just yeah. regular school in New York City, um, it can be daunting. Uh, oh, it can be super daunting. So you know, I appreciate the work that you're doing and, and you just being able to really calm parents down and, 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 and escort them into the, the school system um, mm-hmm. with one less thing or two less things to worry about. Um, and as school is opening up now and starting, um, are there any uh, tips or things you wanna share with parents as we are about to start school that they should expect um, going into school this year, right, any changes that are happening for kids in this age bracket?
1: Um, I'm gonna say just be flexible. If you know what that is, and if you don't know, um try to every day be a little bit more flexible with everything because change is is ever coming with this. No one knows really, I mean, what's gonna happen. The school system, they make a plan, but a plan is only as good as the pieces that help to orchestrate it. And you know, people are just everyone is in this place of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So you know, I, I'm sending my kid back, you know, after being home for a year, you know, he's 17, going to his senior year of high school, and just like, well, you know, we're going to go in, you're going to want to make sure your kid knows how to wear a mask and that they keep it on. That's something we, sh- we should be well-versed in. We've been doing it for a year, but there are a lot of kids who, for whatever reason, medically wise, they can't sustain wearing a mask all day, you know, but their contingencies for that. Um, just be just be flexible because, you know, your kid could be in school for a whole week. And then at the end of that week, you hear, oh, they can't come next week because their classroom was shut down. So now it's like, oh, um, my kid is going to be home, but I have to go to work. Literally have some kind of backup plan as far as childcare because that's where it gets a little frustrating for parents. And when last minute problems pop up people get anxious they get reactionary they get angry they get emotional and you know it's it's not going to be good for the child or for the parent at this point so if you have a backup plan I would say have two (laughs) for childcare, um you should be okay you know remind your child wash your hands keep the mask on and and I think you know just take it one day at a time because every day brings something different yeah
0: I have a question for you I, I have a lot of friends who um do various professions, right? And they get into careers. Um, and sometimes it's based on their own personal preference. And sometimes it's based on their experiences. For instance, I have a friend of mine who does a program now, or actually started a program for kids who have special needs because she is a parent of someone who has special needs. And I'm curious in your situation, did you get involved in this because of your children? Or was it something that you had already thought uh, and had an interest in on your own.
1: Repeat that last part, I didn't hear it.
0: So a lot of people, like I said, usually get involved in situations when it comes to jobs because either they have a personal preference for liking that situation or liking that environment or that that field, or they go through an experience where um, either someone in their life is affected by something that they're actually learning and they wanna get into it. I have a friend of mine who runs a special needs program for parents. Um, And she only does that now because she has a special needs child. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was curious if you got into um, doing more of these things because of your children, or was it something that you had already uh, had interest in, uh, even before they were born?
1: Well, I'm going to say this. Before uh, my daughter was born, I had no interest in, I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm going to just say that straight out. I wanted to be a lawyer. I was pretty much on the lawyer track. And then, you know, she was born and, and I was just fascinated by like, you know, the therapist that would come in. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know this, this field existed. Like it was like a whole new world to me. And I would really, you know, participate in the sessions. I'm like, I really like this. I really like this. And then what really sealed the deal for me between like OT, PT and speech was when I saw uh, African-American speech language pathologist in the ICU unit. And I was like, wait a minute, like what? I I wanted to know so much more. I'm like, wait, I just thought that they like going to home. She was like, oh, no, we, you know, a lot of us work in a clinical hospital setting. I was like, ooh, and it was just amazing. And I was like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. How do I do this? (laughs) So um, that was that was the start of speech for me. Like, I really wanted to do it. Then, of course, I got sidetracked. And that's an interesting story because um, while I started going to Adelphi for my undergrad in speech, after I was so fired up about it. When when I graduated from Adelphi, and you know you need to have a master's if you're going to practice, you know, legally in New York State um, and get your license. I applied to all these graduate programs for speech and it was just like tick tock tick tock where's the acceptance letters like where are these acceptance letters and I'm waiting for them and the New York City was advertising this like New York City teaching fellows I was on the train I was like wow that's interesting, I can get into the school system too and I was like well, you know what I'm just going to apply it was like. The application deadline, it was the day of, I think it was like a March 30th or something. By midnight, you have to submit your application for New York City teaching fellows. And I just sat in the bed and I just typed my little letter. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just waiting for letters. That is what I want to do for speech. But, you know, I'm going to just apply to this too. And then I got accepted into the New York City teaching fellows, like out of like 7,000 people, I mean, I was one of 7,000 people that got accepted. And I was like, wow, what do I do? And they were like, you need to accept it, you know, by this date. And I'm like, wow, but I'm still waiting for speech. And the day I accepted the New York City teacher fellows, the same day my uh, master's program acceptance letter came in the mail. I was so upset. I was like, oh, my God. Now I want a detour. And I got to be a teacher. first. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. And you know what? no regrets. And in the beginning, I was like, this sucks. Like, I, okay, I'll be a special ed teacher, you know, cause my kids are going to be a special ed program that works. So I did it. And then truth be told, I fell off. i like maybe five years later or six years later, I decided to go back for speech. And that was hard with two kids with special needs and juggling a lot of things, but I did it. And it's not an easy master's program. I have to say it is not, I lost my mind several times <laughs> doing it, but I made it through and to be honest, special education really informs a lot of how I work with my students. So that makes me a phenomenal therapist because the two just like married. They just meld really well. And so there is no regrets with that at all. I don't know, maybe the divine, you know, intervention, that's the plan for me. But it just worked out that way. Yeah. It really did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, those things work out the way it's supposed to work out. So that's yeah, fantastic, yeah. you know. And yeah. Um, I always say timing is everything because it really is. It really, really is. And uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at your story now, and I'm I'm recognizing that, um, you know, you're multifaceted in the sense that that was a battle, you know, or a battle you had to go through educationally, but you also had other battles. um yeah. And you shared in your bio that you are a two-time breast mm. cancer survivor. Um, so you didn't battle just once; you battled twice. Uh, do you mind to share with listeners how you overcame and what did you have to change in terms of your health habits, uh, knowing what you know as a clinician, but also knowing what you know as just a human being? Um, you know, what did you have to really change to make sure that you were able to get through this thing, not once, but twice?
1: uh to be honest the first time I went through this I was just going through a lot of personal stress um divorce and a lot of changes in my life personal life and I really didn't it wasn't as bad as the second time like you know I found the lump they took it out I had surgery it was ambulatory I didn't really have to go through any like uh, chemo or radiation they were like yeah you know it's it's it was some kind of uh, mass in the milk duct they were like yeah you know it's rare but you know, we caught it very early, so you should be good to go. And I was like, all right, okay. I That was scary. Um, and then the second time around was just really, it just knocked me off my feet because it was so unexpected. Um, we're talking, the first bout was in 2011. And this one happened in 2018. Now, what made this one very different was, I was pregnant from October. I would say October, 2018 um, going in. No. Yeah. October, 2018 going into the spring of 2019. And literally, you know, we had a stillbirth in April. And so this to be diagnosed with cancer, like six months later was just like, what the hell is going on in this world? Like first of all, I had no fight left. I was still trying to get over the first incident. And then it was just like, here we go. Like, what do we do? And this particular mask I found on my own. Like I was literally just laying on the couch watching a movie and I just literally went like this and it felt like, like an apple. I didn't even know how I didn't know it was there. And I was like, oh, you know, doctors always say I got fibrocystic breasts. I'll be okay. I'm just going to call and make an appointment. It's about that time to get checked out. Very casual. Like Like nothing, nothing, you know, I wasn't alarmed or anything. Um, But after I did like, you know, the exam, I went to like a mammography and a sonogram. I got a call, like not even four days later. And they were like, we need to send you for further testing. And I was like, okay, did that. But that devastating phone call came. I was like, wait, is this surreal? Like, you know how you sit and you have the phone and it feels like the room is zoomed out, and is zoomed back in. That's exactly the experience that I had. And, you know, my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. And he was like, you know, do it. I was like, I do not have the fight in me to do this. I was like, this is nuts. At that time, I we didn't know what type of cancer it was until we went to um, an oncologist and then a breast specialist. And they were like, this is a very aggressive type of cancer. And for the world who needs to know what it is, it's, it's a HER2 positive type of breast cancer. So there's basically an estrogen based breast cancer and the reason it came is because I was pregnant right so the pregnancy woke up the cancer that I had before (laughs) and I was just like is that even possible they were like yeah it's very possible but you found it and you know we can try to contain it and hope it didn't go any other place and let me tell you I think I've been poked and prodded I've never been poked and prodded that much in my life ever ever I mean I was just like this is This is that I I was like, do whatever, do whatever. And, and, you know, we did it, you know, six rounds of chemo, major reconstruction surgery. I'm talking, I was on the operating table for at least 12 hours. And I thought that surgery was going to take me out of here. So I went around, put my fears in order. I mean, like things that you didn't think about before, like a crisis come up, like you literally us as people got to do better with our stuff. Cause I was like, wait a minute, I need to make sure this is a line. This is a line. And my husband was like, I don't want to talk about that cause you're going to be here. I was like, Nope, we need to make sure this isn't, you know, in place. And it was just very, very scary, but yes, I lost all my locks. I had locks down to my butt. I was mm-hmm. bald headed. I lost my eyelashes. I lost everything. It was just like, but none of that matters because hair goes back and I am here to still tell the tale. And, um, You know, be an inspiration to others. But I did have to change um, my mindset. My mindset was the thing that I changed because. Honestly, I was always in a place of helping everybody and being there for everybody, being everything I with my family, you know, my kids, I'm the advocate, the coordinator, the, you know, on top of that, I'm married, you know, I have people who are constantly reaching out for infamy. I'm like the go-to person for everything. And then I had to take a stop and say, well, Carolyn, you can't be all things to all people and leave yourself in the dust, like literally running on fumes all the time. And the stress, the running on fumes, that was probably what took me to the place that I went where I didn't want to go again. Um, and so I decided to be more present for myself mentally, um, being aware of when I'm doing too much or about to take on too much. Because I, I do it all the time. You know, people like us, it's just it is normal for us to run around and do that. So I stopped all that. Um, I started meditating more. Um, I started exercising. Um, Even, you know, when my doctor gave me the okay, he was like, don't do anything too strenuous. You just had big surgery. And I was like, okay. So I would take little walks and believe me, that was painful because I was 215 pounds. And I didn't know when I got to 215 pounds, you know, just packing it on between not being, you know, being depressed, being home, being, you know, it's just just like, wow, you know, and I had to change my mindset, change the way that I ate, Um, you know, much of what I eat. I wasn't always, you know, I was eating on the go a lot because I'm always on the go. So now I'm very, very mindful about what I put into my body. And it doesn't mean that you have to change your whole life, go from, you know, eat meat eater to a a vegan or vegetarian. Like a lot of people make drastic changes. I didn't do that. I, I still, you know, eat pretty much the same. I just, it's about my combination of foods and how much of it I eat and when I eat it. So, um, I've been doing a lot of research with that. And my mom is a registered dietitian. So she's been helping me kind of figure out all the macros and all the micros and all that stuff. And I've been putting, you know, things together and besides exercising, I started experimenting with meal prepping, right? So right now I have five little clients and and it's like, People are really liking this but, and people are like, can you, you know, are you still doing that? I would like you. I'm like, I can't even take on anybody else because it's hard. I have to cook all these, all the food for myself, my family and for five additional people every single week. And I do that on Sundays. So out of the whole breast cancer experience was, you know, going to the gym. now, I work out four to five days a week. And that's like my commitment to myself. That does not get changed for anybody. Okay, today we do it. <laughs> today I just shifted things around, but like literally, that's a commitment to myself that I do not miss. It happens every single morning. I pop up at 4:30 in the morning. I'm in the gym by five without question. And then I go on with the rest of my day, like everybody else. And, and, and it's like, why do you why do you go to the gym so early? Well, but if you work the day that I do, the kind of day is 16. 12 well 14 to 16 hours a day average going to the gym in the evening is not going to be as productive as it is in the morning the workout is going to be just like okay I'm done I'm going home it's not going to be effective so I like to get it put myself first in the morning um and that that's that's what I've been doing putting myself first so no husband no kiddos no job nothing gets in the way of me going to the gym (laughs) <laughs> that's my time, my quiet time. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Working out, eating, you know, better. Um, yeah, and just being mindful of when I'm taking on too much and learning to say no because no was something I didn't know how to say. Just learning to say no to people, you know, because people are always going to need something, you know. Yeah. But you have to say no sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen, we just did a whole, our last episode actually was on self-care. And um, I had a social worker talking about self-care and how we need to be a little more cognizant of caring for ourselves. And you can't pour from an empty cup was her biggest thing. And uh, it's so true. You know, it's these things you just mentioned, taking time to really put yourself first, no matter what's going on. Even though there are a thousand people who are pulling at you and tugging at you and looking for information from you. There's no way you can be sufficient or efficient. Uh, to to cater to their needs unless you've really taken care of yourself first. And, Mm. you know, I I salute you for really taking that time and and using this experience to pivot your life and to take this thing so seriously when now health and wellness is your thing. It's a thing that you take almost like your last name. It's just like a part of you or your first name is a part of you, right? That's not going anywhere. You're waking up no matter what's going on. And you're getting that workout in. And I agree with you. People who try to do these things at the end of their day, especially if you have a day like you and I have in terms of just ongoing madness <laughs> until the end of the day, it's so much better just to rock that thing out in the morning and get your body charged up because if you can get that thing done in the morning, there's no chance that you're going to see during the day that can trip you up. Exactly. You've already gone through the madness in the morning. You've already put your body through a rigorous routine where you push yourself to the max before anything has really even started. So exactly. when stress comes, whatever else comes your way, you brush that thing off, you keep moving because exactly. you've already been to that thing at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning off the bat. And, um, you know, I, that's kind of how I live my life as well. And I do think that shutting everything else off to give yourself that personal quality time, that self-care, is still something that I, I'm working with, I'm working on. Um, you know, m- my job is rigorous in the sense that um I, I, I work in a very patient, high volume patient facility right now. So mm-hmm. even though it is quality care, um, you know, besides just me taking care of my patients and running the clinic and then running my staff and hiring and firing, whatever else and payroll, whatever else, you know, there's this whole platform we do here with people today. So and then family and wife and daughter. And, you know, it can just be that thing where if you don't put a pin somewhere, or put a pause somewhere, you literally just go from one thing to the next without really stopping and checking in with yourself. So, you know, I isolate anyone who takes self care that seriously and makes it really a part of their regular routine. And you've done that, and it, it makes sense given your story. It makes sense looking at the the history of what you do professionally and what you've been through physically. That you uh, are such a health uh, uh, buff, if I will say. And you know, I'm I'm looking at the way that you've been um, sharing your, your story with others. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that now you are a health and wellness entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just related to the, the food prep, the meal prep you're doing now, or is that, does it go greater than that? And if so, yeah, it's, it's, so?
1: It's, it's something separate and apart from that. So, um, this is what, uh, so about a year a, little, a year and like maybe four months ago, a uh, year and four months I was, you know, I I was exercising like most people getting back on their little journey, but I hit a plateau. And for those who don't know what that means, like you've been working out, you're losing weight and all of a sudden the the scale won't move anymore. It doesn't matter what you do. Like the scales is just stuck there. And this is the part where people often just give up on their journey because they're like, ah, it's not working, you know. And then people quit when in actuality you should keep pushing through and finding that thing that's gonna get you out of that plateau Mm -hmm. so a a school friend of mine I went to middle school with her and she she was you know online and she's selling these products and I was like she was like oh you know you should try this it's a detox tea and then you know it's multivitamins and it can help you out and keep you healthier and maybe you know give you the energy to push yourself harder and working out so I was like I was like, okay, you know, I'll try it. What else do I have to lose? I'm already exercising, right? So I tried these products and I was just like, wow. In like two weeks, like the the plateau was gone. Like I literally dropped 11 pounds and I was like, 11 pounds. like, how is that even possible? I was like, this is a gimmick. Like this, this weight is going to just like pop back on me with an additional 10 pounds. Cause that's (laughs) usually what happens when people lose weight quickly. So I was at, at least that much weight too fast. And I was like, no, but it never happened. I literally had the energy to work out. And that's when I got into this routine. Like, oh, I could do this every day. And I was literally working out five or six days. Then I was just losing weight and it was just coming off really nicely. And I was just like, wow, okay, sorry got to get into this like people need to be on these multivitamins like you know and and so I was like well how do I how do I get into this and she, she signed me up and I've been doing it ever since you know I sold on uh, Nutriverse and detox teas and um I take the Nutriverse personally every day because look at the pandemic that we're living in <laughs> Most of us don't get any vitamins in the, with the food that we eat. And most of us don't even take a multivitamin. So that was like the missing piece to me. And being that, you know, I have my little cancer situation. Of course, I went to my doctor. I was like, is it okay to take this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've been taking it. My blood work, everything has been stellar. He was like, uh, yeah, whatever it is you're doing, keep doing that because you, you are, you're doing great. Like my blood work is better than the average person. And when I tell you, everything is just green all the way across. And it wasn't like that before. I was anemic before. I don't, I don't know. I, I think these vitamins are, are like a miracle. And if you don't take any vitamins, you should get on some. And what I like about it is that it's liquid. And so it just goes into your bloodstream faster. Where you take pills, most of it doesn't even get digested anyway. So that's that's what I've been doing. And I, I, I use the products. I sell the products. I mean, I have regular customers that swear by this stuff just like I do so it's it's a win-win right you know so they can speak to it I can speak to it and that's just what I've been doing and then the meal prep stuff kind of came born out of that because if you are talking about like you know wellness and health journey you, you can't the kitchen is like the biggest piece of the whole thing right so you can Take supplements all you want. But if you don't exercise, you're not going to get the same results as someone else that's working out. And if you you can work out and then still eat, you know, burgers and french fries every day as your diet, uh, it's just not going to be the same effect. So it's really a, a, a whole thing. Like your mind has to be there. You have to train the mind because the, you know, the body goes wherever the mind goes and you have to be very mentally strong. And then you have to be disciplined as far as like the food choices that you're making, right. And disciplined and dedicated to get that exercise in, whatever that is for you. You know, maybe you're not the person to be in the weight room and, and doing a lot of weights, but you got to find some activity to do. That's what I tell everybody. Start where you at. You like to ride bicycle, bike riding, like to walk, go walking, do something, but just don't sit in front of the TV and pop pills and swear that you're going to lose a hundred pounds because it's not going to happen. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know anyone that that's happened to, but unless you want to go get surgery, that's the only other option you have, but you know exercising losing the weight on your own is more gratifying than just laying on a table and then going through all the pain and you know risking your life basically just to look like a cookie cutter like every other person who did the surgery so
0: that's
1: that's my that's my thing with that
0: yeah no true story true story true story (laughs) listen these are all the things that be more today is really about it's really about making sure that we um educate people and 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 showcase the things that we need to do to be better. Um, and we've had, again, 72 people on the show who have shared what that phrase Be More Today means to them. Um, but Carolyn, I'm going to ask you right now, as the 73rd guest on the Be More Today show, when you hear the phrase Be More Today, what does that phrase mean directly to you?
1: Oh, for me, that means... Um... Putting in more effort today than you did yesterday. So just, you know, trying to be a better version of yourself each and every day that you, you wake up and you can you get a breath. You're blessed enough to take a breath every day. Do something to be better than you were yesterday. That's that's how I look at it, right? Cause that's what I, I aim to do every day. Like, you know, if, if yesterday I can only do 40 push push-ups, well today I'm going to try for 45, you know, it's just like, whatever it is that you're doing, try to do, do it better than the day before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Listen, you you've shared your story. We appreciate it. Um, how can people reach out to you, connect with you, learn more about your products, um, any of those things, either on social media or otherwise?
1: Um social media right now. Um my most active account would be my Instagram page. It's um C underscore Mac, which is MAC225. Um there you'll see, you know, daily workout motivation. Um sometimes I post my meals on there, but I have a whole meal prep page that you'll you'll find it if you you go to that page. It's it's um yeah, because Facebook, I'm not really on there at that, but I can only manage one Instagram account effectively right now.
0: (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) And any final tips you want to share with the listeners regarding uh, health and wellness, regarding um, information for parents, regarding uh, advice for people who have been survivors of breast cancer? Because, you know, it's funny. There's so many people who have had cancer um, that either share or don't share. And it's just the more people I talk to, the more people, yeah, I had cancer. I had this, I had that. I'm like, wow, it's so crazy. So any advice you want to share with anyone uh, involved in the realms of, of life that you talked about, either breast cancer related or uh, parents of, high, of kids who are, are high needs, um, special needs, uh, or people who are just trying to get more motivation just to go out there and work out. Any mm. last tips you want to share with anyone listening right now?
1: I feel like I can give a little advice on each of those things. I mean, it's like, you know, as far as the parent, the parent side, um, you know, take a lot of deep breaths, take moments for yourself. Um, It is overwhelming, but you cannot do it alone. So seek help, right? Resources, there's an abundance of resources out there, right? And, And, you know, seek it out. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes you feel like we're all alone in this and you're not. There are other parents, there are parents to parent groups out there, I mean, that really are supporting, they're supporting each other. Um, So look out, look for some resources and and don't be afraid to ask for help. You're not alone. Um, As far as um, breast cancer is concerned, a lot of my sisters um, of choice is what I like to call them because we've had the same experience. Um, some of us, you know, we get, we're in that like victim place, like, oh, I have breast cancer. I can't do that because I have cancer, you know, like, you know, you got to get out of that mindset. You got to change your mindset because, um, There's so much more out there for you that you can do. And just because you experienced that situation, there's power in sharing that story and definitely um, empower yourself in the sense of like, you know, taking small steps to change um, the way you're doing things or the way you've done things. Right. So if you were living a certain way and it led to that road that you that experience that you had, you have to try to change at least one thing. That you were doing. And that may lead to multiple changes after that. But don't ever just be stuck with, oh, I had cancer, So I can't do that. Or I don't know if that's for me because I had this situation. Whenever you're not sure, ask your doctor. But honestly, your doctor is always going to tell you, get moving. (laughs) That's the number one thing a doctor is going to tell you. Get moving. Walk. Walking is an underrated exercise. It works every single main, if you're a PT, you know, it works every bit in your body. So I mean, start somewhere and just and, and get get active in your life and 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 think positively because the mindset is is like the most your mind, your brain is the most powerful thing that in your for your whole body right it really dictates the way the trajectory of your life and the way your day goes so you really need to take some time and get counseling if you need i had, you know don't be afraid i don't know why we're so afraid to talk to professionals mental health professionals this is so big um because after going through such a dramatic experience, you're going to need someone that's professional to sit down and kind of like help you put things in perspective. So you can move on with your life and and be empowered um, by the experience and not be a victim by the experience, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, what was the last thing? I don't remember. I don't uh, you remember you covered them. Yeah, just yeah, you covered yeah. The okay. tips.
0: Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. you great. You're great. Kelly, we really appreciate you being on the show. You've made episode 73, one for the books. So thank you for taking the time out. And for folks who don't know, right now for us, it's 5.54 in the morning. So we made oh, sure yeah. we have to get this thing in before we had to go out there and tackle the world. That's but that's right. what you have to do sometimes. You got to go out there and make that time to uh, do what you want to do so you can do what you can do and want to do after that as well. So I appreciate you making the time.
1: Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Um Feel free to welcome me back on any specific topic. If you're doing a focus topic on any of the things we talked about.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And folks, don't forget the quotation. We are limitless in how deep we can dig to find strength, but sometimes limited by how shallow a crisis can make us feel. Dig deeper. Uh, As Carolyn said, you know, you heard her story. She's been through so many things, but No matter what she was given, no matter what she had to go through, she found that strength to dig down deep. And every crisis that she went through, uh, something creative came out of that. Uh, Whether she was doing stuff with her kids, whether she was doing stuff in the health realm, uh, sharing meal prep uh, tips with other people, just working out. There were so many things that came out of the crises that she experienced. And we have to do the same. We have to make sure that we... Keep moving. Like she said, your MD may just say, though, you have breast cancer? All right, well, let's keep moving. You, too, have to keep moving uh, and just find that strength, find that goal, find that dig down deep, gr- grit in your beast to oh, go me. to the in next the beast. level. Yes, beast mode, whatever you want to call it. Find that and yeah. and make sure that you, too, can keep taking your self to to be the best version of you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this show folks, it's been one for the books, we really appreciate you and again, follow Be More Today on all of our platforms, whether it be uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, uh, again my book is on our website BeMoreToday.com, which you can go to and find uh, my book, our music, our podcast information and if you want to be a supporter of Be More Today, please go to uh, our site and support or subscribe, we appreciate that. And if you want to send us an email, uh, either to reach out to Carolyn or to myself email me directly at drshawn at bemoretoday.com. Uh, folks, have a great day. Have a great, great night. Day. Have a great life. And continue to take your steps to to be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Thanks.